It's the Roll for Crit podcast that you're listening to. We're here to talk about board, card, and role-playing games, news, Kickstarters, games we've been playing, some real big, exciting titles that we have to talk about this week. I'm glad you're here. You're not going to want to miss any of it. I am Jonathan. Are you now? I guess that makes me Will. Well, I don't know if it necessarily makes you Will, but I think that is the case. Well, if I'm not Will, who am I then? No, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. You just got there from a different place. Mm, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I hear what sounds like dice jingling over there. Jingling? Indeed. It's it's almost as if I just remembered now to take out the dice bag and get three dice ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you could get just one. I don't I mean, I I, we have a lot. We have a lot of new ones now. I know we do. You know what? There's so many now. But you see, this lets me put some of the onus on you when I roll terribly. I can pretend you're just as much as fault that as I am. See, but- I don't ever have that impression. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it that way personally. <laughs> uh, uh, we will then. We'll just pick one. Why not? Well, yeah, yeah, it, it is beautiful. You. It is. I almost want to call it like sky blue, like it's okay with white lettering. It's very pretty. But let's see how it rolls. Have you been keeping we should, I know you made a list, but have you updated it with all the numbers? Uh I'll I'll get to it. <laughs> we did an all episode right. 20. We've got five or six I need to add to the list. 15. That that's uh, an easy that I mean not guaranteed, but probably you passed your test. Yeah, that's pretty good. With with a bonus, you probably you probably got through that enemy's armor class with a 15. That's a that's a nice that's a nice solid throw. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing to sneeze at there. Of course, we're rolling that d twenty to see how our show's going to go today. Because you know that's our thing. We roll for crit, and we 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 shoot for the moon. And even when we miss, we land among the stars. Right. Yes, and this is an important role today as well because we don't have as much of a uh, bonus from our guest because our guest is it's us. That's right. Our our guests this week are each other. We are each other's guests, <laughs> so uh, and you listening are our guest as always as we talk. So uh, it's going to be a very fun show with the two of us. We have some interesting stories to discuss, as I said, and uh, at least one big game that I know a lot of people are going to be interested in hearing us talk about. So let's not delay any longer. Let us begin by covering the news from the previous week of board games. News Roundup. That is a fantastic bumper. Oh, is that the first time you heard it? (laughs) Well, I feel like usually a guest compliment you there, so I want to make sure that wasn't left out. Do they compliment us? I feel like usually they they laugh and uh, shake their heads. Laughing is good. Laughing is good. I've A couple times I hear them taking out a piece of paper and audibly writing down note to self, do not come back on this podcast. I have a, I have a talent. I can tell what people are writing. I don't know what it is. Okay. So this week, um, not, I don't know if people listened last week, last week was a little insane. Uh, and even the weeks before that, I feel like we've had some big heavy news weeks this week, uh, some smaller stories that are interesting to talk about. Nothing earth shattering, but we'll start with one that is not really, news to anybody which is that the the shipping issues continue to affect the board game industry uh cargo ships freight shipping all these things are being held up it's very difficult to get board games that are manufactured overseas shipped in to other countries particularly here in the united states i have to say because i'm very ignorant and i'm a you know just an insular american 
I actually don't know how much this is affecting other countries. I imagine it's the same situation, but I know it's very bad for us. I don't know if you I feel like you're you're a little more uh, worldly than I am. <laughs> you have I, any insight into that? <laughs> I mean, I know there was the whole issue a while back with the evergreen. That was more Europe. Um, yeah. But I mean, this is the one thing I can take. It's this, you know, this is like one thing I know of. But with the Digimon card game, the new set just came out this weekend in Asia, not Asia. I think it came out before, but in Europe. But we don't get it, America, until November. So I mean that's one thing, but yeah, yeah. I guess we're further away, and maybe there's and there's also just more states, and there's more <laughs> we're bigger. And there's more stuff spread out in weird ways with more retailers. Yeah, I, like I said, that one isn't. It's one thing, and that also could be, which I wouldn't be surprised since it's a trading card. You know, just logistics of like legal stuff in stores, like not even like just getting it here. Yeah, you know that is also a fun thing. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it multiple times before, but uh, we're continuing to see it. Uh, we a few weeks back talked about Asmo Day and the fact that a lot of their products are seeing price increases uh, to, as a response to this shipping crisis. And now we have heard the same from Steve Jackson games, specifically Munchkin. Uh, pretty much all of the Munchkin core sets, and I am assuming many of their expansions are getting a price increase of about five bucks. So the Munchkin core box uh, would originally go for $24.95. It's now going to be $29.95. Uh, and very sad to me, also, uh, their game Zombie Dice used to have the price of $13.13. How could you get any more perfect than that? Uh, that's now going to be the much less funny price of fifteen ninety five. dollars <laughs> there's, no, mm. there's no joke there. There's nothing funny about fifteen ninety five. Are you kidding me? That's like... The funniest number in the universe, right? I, I, well, I, you know, I, I I'm not laughing. That's all. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, um, the, and there's a few other. Uh, mo I think mostly all the prices are five bucks. I see Munchkin Pathfinder for some reason is increasing by ten dollars. Maybe that's a licensing thing. But uh, they have a lot of licensed versions of Munchkin, so I'm not sure if that's going to be common to all those different licensed munchkins but uh, i don't recall if the, maybe that one came with something else like maybe every now and then you know yeah has a board in there or something i think maybe yeah one of those kind of deals uh so like i said we've talked about this a fair bit and i think probably we've said most of what we have to say but i think what is notable about this development in particular is that while you know the fantasy flight games are certainly mass market munchkin is real mass market that's a very very evergreen very popular card game that you see in all kinds of different stores uh and it's also there's no there's no minis in there there's hard i think you know the newer deluxe sets like i said maybe they maybe they have like one figure maybe they have that little board I, to keep I, pretty, score. I think yeah i think they do have the level trackers yeah, those might be minis. Last time I remember, they used to, they had a level tracker. Or maybe that. I think it depends on which version you're buying too. But certainly, they're primarily card based, as opposed to thinking of a lot of the fantasy flight games. And also, it's not you know they're they're smaller box games that are meant to be cheaper and that are very popular, which means they're in wide circulations. Like I usually think, you know, the more copies you print of something, the cheaper it gets to make it. So to me, it's notable that even something like Munchkin, which 
you would think maybe of all the products out there might be able to get away with avoiding this stuff is being hit by it too. Well, I, I think the biggest issue uh, is, uh, I mean, and I am a hundred percent just as effective as this is like, we forget, like we think these companies are much bigger because they're like Munchkin. Oh, that's like the Mario of the, like everyone knows it. Maybe they're not as big as we think. Like Nintendo's huge. Like they have locations <laughs> everywhere. Are there like Steve Jackson, like their US place in or their, you know, their Japan center? No, I mean, I think they are. It's hard. Like they are relatively big. They're certainly big for the board game industry. I mean, Munchkin is undeniably a juggernaut. Right. Big but, for the board game industry, but are yes. they big enough for the shipping industry? Right. They're not, um, yeah, they're, they're not huge in terms of just general, uh, you know, producers of things in the, as things in the United States go and other retailers and publishers and manufacturers. They're not, they're not breaking any records or anything. That's for sure. But yeah, it, that, that is something. Uh, and, 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 but I still think they're on the bigger end. And then it makes me think that, if if Munchkin is being hit by this, and for all the, with all the reasons I said before that maybe it wouldn't affect them as much, it just really drives home even more how much smaller indie developers, you know, are, are must be hurt by this even more. And I think the only reason we're not seeing we're seeing these big kind of sweeping price announcements for com- bigger companies. We're not seeing it for the indie companies because a lot of them only have like two or three games. <laughs> so there's it's just kind of, I think, a more quiet, like, well, our next Kickstarter will be more expensive. They don't. I, yeah. Honestly, I wonder how many of them. I mean, just like we've talked about some of the people who we've been friends with who are smaller, who might be like, it doesn't matter because at this point, I'm just, my stuff's just stuck in a warehouse. I can't pay for that shipping. So I'm just going to have to bet that it's going to lower in price. That so what's too, the point yeah. in saying a price increase? Yeah, or, or e- even like not, there won't be a price increase because by the time they get over here, that means the situation's been resolved. <laughs> like they're not even, like Steve Jackson must be paying extra to get their stuff over. And that's why they have to raise the price versus your average Joe board game publisher who's like, well, I'm not raising the price because I can't afford to even bring them over. Like I can't, no one's, no one, I'm not selling them. So why would I raise the price at all? Yeah. I think that's probably part of it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, so I, you know, I think it's uh, all things considered 30 bucks for a munchkin set, not that different from 25 bucks for a munchkin set. And I think it'll still continue to sell as well as it always has in light of that. But uh, it's it's something worth noting that as, as this continues to happen, and uh, it'll be interesting to I'm I'm curious to see how many other companies do things like this that are big enough that have big enough product lines that they need to make these things known. Well, and, you know how how long they wait to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um... I'd say, I mean, the, it, my first instinct was to think that it would be, um, you know, Funko Games, but they told us that they have they were extremely lucky enough to just have a lot of connections uh, to pretty much, and I think that was it with uh, dealers, to, so they wouldn't have to. Um, and obviously, Asmodee already did it, 
So that would have been actually that would have been first guess. So who else do you think? I'm trying to think of a very large. Well, I mean, there's people. Hasbro's like already done it with figures. I assume they've done it with their games. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about like I think a Monopoly is still like 15 bucks or whatever. <laughs> maybe I guess maybe they kept those. I do know for their other products they have increased prices. Right, <laughs> their other um, products, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, at least action figures, mm, you know. Oh, and okay. I think there was a list of other things. I, I thought you. Ta- I, I was thinking you were talking about Magic: The Gathering. Um, have they? I don't know. Technically, no, but I think the problem is they've been giving us less for the same price. But that's a, <laughs> that. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that. Um. Yeah. I. What, what's another? Uh, board game company. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any other board game companies. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of large, like huge ones. (laughs) Well, you don't have to be huge. I mean, just anything that has like a popular line, like, like Steve Jackson, uh, you know, they're not gigantic, but they have Munchkin. Um, but the problem is most of the ones I can think of are owned by Asmodee. So (laughs) it's kind of a moot point. (laughs) I can think of a popular line and, uh, that would be unmatched. (laughs) You're trying, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm like, when you said popular line, that came right into my head. I'm like, oh, should I? But I'm going to I'm gonna kill you're this gonna one. You're going to erase that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, well, I, well, I maybe think of like there's Cards Against Humanity is, is or, or Exploding Kittens. Like, I think you got to think of the real casual stuff. That, you know, no, that is true because you cannot walk into any of the major box stores without seeing their stuff. Yet, this is the first board game convention I could think of where we didn't see them. At, at the Exploding most recent Con? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's because they are worried about... Uh, well, yes. there's uh... <laughs> Their booth is very hands-on <laughs> and in, encourages long lines and crowding and such. Also, probably just, you know, like so many other publishers who didn't show up for various reasons this year. But, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I guess I guess one uh, another popular line you might say is unmatched. <laughs> Don't you think? Uh, really? Yeah. Which is a g- perfect segue because it brings us into our next news story, uh, which Who'd have thought? I don't know that there's too much uh, to talk about here, but it's just kind of an interesting peek behind the curtain of the business world of board games. So Restoration Games publishes the Unmatched line, which is uh, primarily a two-player head-to-head card slash board game that has all kinds of different characters facing off against each other. So in the original sets and some of the continuing ones, you have uh, mythological or folklore characters that are public domain. You've got Sherlock Holmes in there. You've got Bigfoot. You've got Robin Hood. You've got all kinds of folks. And then they also have some licensed sets. So there's a Jurassic Park version and a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we know there's Marvel coming uh, pretty soon. So uh, they had a partnership with the company Mondo. Mondo usually does cool movie-related posters, artwork, merchandise. They've also had published a few games uh, like the, the, the Thing game was published through them originally. Uh, so they've, they've had their toes in the board game world as well. Uh, they've done they've done uh, some re- more recent ones like a gentle rain, which I've talked about on this podcast. And the partnership was that Mondo handled those licensed versions of Unmatched, and now they have slightly 
change things up going forward. Uh, Restoration Games will be listed as the publisher for all unmatched sets, licensed and non-licensed. While Mondo will still be working behind the scenes, managing relationships with licensors, they still have a partnership and Mondo, I guess, has more of these connections to help them out. Uh, all of the publishing and the, I think the focus on design content is going to be now under one roof of Restoration Games to make it more, I assume, consistent. And so they have more of an eye on the actual game side of things. Um, but like I said, Mondo is still involved and I rest. It's not as if restoration, at least from my understanding, I think they still had a hand in those licensed sets quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I, I, so I, it's hard for me to gauge exactly how different this arrangement is. I, I imagine it's more of like, um, cleaning up shop kind of thing. Cause I mean, at least you can tell me otherwise. I never felt like the copyrighted products were of like either lesser quality or different quality that, you know, they felt like if you didn't know this, I don't think I would have questioned that they're from different companies. Yeah. So yeah. No. Yeah. I don't, I certainly think they, they all seem to be of a pretty consistent quality in terms of their look and design. Right. So it's not a, um, we need to, it's not like a huge problem. I think that's being fixed here. Um, and Mondo, I just, like because of all their stuff, they're just very good dealing with the licensed stuff, probably because they already have a bunch of them. So they have the contacts. And I think this is just like, look, uh, we'll you guys are good with the games. We're probably just we'll go with that. You know, we'll still be a part of it. And I'm sure this way also that they can publish the art on shirts, posters, etc. So it still seems to be an am like a pretty good deal. Like it's not it doesn't seem to be yeah. A bad breakup, I guess. Yeah, like I said, yeah, they're still they're still partnered on it. Um, and I, yeah, I've always thought it was kind of, I've I've been kind of confused at times in the past about like, oh yeah, wait, Mondo does this, but the restoration games, but like Mondo will have them at their booth too, and uh, it sounds like this is just going to be a little more consistent again. Just like, look, these are restoration games, and we partner with Mondo to help us, but restoration is really taking the forefront it seems like as these are our games uh in association with mondo is mm-hmm. kind of is kind of the impression i get uh so that's cool but i'm glad that they're still they're still uh doing things together and there's have new planned releases honestly uh, just in general i'm pretty pleased with the fact that unmatched continues to be going strong i mean that launched what 3 years ago had to be at least two because I remember it being at a Gen Con when we first saw it. Uh, and, you know, the, it's hard to have a new game and keep it going in the public eye, especially when you're, you're dealing with a lot of licenses and you're dealing with a competitive board game, which is essentially what this is, not collectible, but, uh, you know, there's still different sets to buy and things. Uh, I'm I'm happy that this is still still seems to be successful for them because I think it is a good product and I could see it you know, falling, falling by the wayside and not, not selling well in a less than perfect world, but it's, it's encouraging to me. I mean, yeah. And it's a, it's a great partnership, just not just because them being able to get a lot of the licensed things, which are really cool, not just for your Marvel characters, which I'm sure a lot of people are excited about, but like the Jurassic Park Raptors against humans, that wouldn't be, 
at least not the new movie humans. I'm surprised they got that. And also, like I said, Mondo prints the shirts and posters so that art, like rarely we can see great art in games, but they already have an outlet to be like, yeah, we can make that stuff and the posters and other things. So, and I mean, you, we said before, Unmatch has a beautiful art. So, yeah. They do a good job with it all around. Uh, so that's the story there. It's a little that's just kind of a honestly, it's kind of boring. <laughs> it's like a very businessy behind the scenes insider kind of a story. Uh, but uh, for, for me and hopefully people listening, uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting to kind of learn a little bit about how those sorts of partnerships work sometimes. Now, we've got a few game announcements that I thought we would highlight for you this week the first one is deep rock galactic the board game so deep rock galactic is a video game uh which is a a co-op video game where you play as dwarves and you're mining and as you're mining you are taking out enemies you're it's a first person shooter uh, and there's all kinds of uh, there's like destructible environments. I, have you before before this news of this board game? Were you familiar with the Deep Rock Galactic video game? Will uh, not to my knowledge. So you might of. have known of it, but you don't know if you did. <laughs> Every now, sometimes like something you see for like a little bit, but not enough for you to like. I'm gonna play. I don't know. Like someone mentioned. It, it sounds but. like the answer is no. I mean, yes, that's just what fine. I would say. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's the same for me. I It has the same as great uh, reception from what I can see. A lot of people are big fans of it, but it was not on my radar at all. And it kind of looks like the video game version. It almost sounds like a Minecraft sort of thing in, where it's procedurally generated like like caves you're exploring and fighting off mobs. But it's like if you took that portion of Minecraft and made it more about an actual co-op multiplayer shooter, uh, like within that framework. And it looks pretty cool. Like the graphics are kind of fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's one to four players. It seems like a neat, a neat game. And, uh, it seems like maybe a good fit for a board game. At least that's what the publishers think who are creating it. And they are working with a designer of champions of Midgard, to create this game. So there's another big one that a lot of people like. And uh, the game is going to have that same basic framework. They put a post up on uh, Steam where they talked a lot about the development so far and they showed some prototype images and things like that. Uh, And so, yeah, I I don't have, I can't say, oh, this looks just like the game because like we established, haven't played any of it. But I do think what's also interesting about their post is they show a list of other board games based on video games that have been on Kickstarter and how successful that they have been. And most of them have been very, very successful. And it's interesting to see that those statistics put up there as well. Uh, I don't know if you looked at that specific uh, image of those games or if you have any other thoughts about Deep Rock Galactic. It's because I'm like, look, I'm reading there some of these games. Yeah. You know, um, and obviously I'm, I'm wondering how many of these like I'm looking through and I just think. I don't know, because I, some of these I have played and can say, like, I have I have enjoyed or have not enjoyed. 
Well, let's go through let's, just as a few okay. for people listening. So Darkest Dungeons, Dark Souls, Binding of Isaac, uh, Frostpunk, Horizon Zero Dawn, the Resident Evil games, Wolfenstein. Yeah, there's the, there's been several get, of them. Yes. I, I, what I'm trying to get at is I wonder how many of these and this is probably doesn't matter because if you're successful, you're successful, right? Um, <laughs> but how many of them were because I love Dark Souls, therefore I shall get all Dark Souls or vice versa but same i think same mind or same thought process this has many cool minis i need minis yeah, like i, I wonder mean, how much stands on the game being the, like it's such a it, no point i'm just curious about it because <laughs> yeah well i think from their perspective uh writing this article and deciding if it was a good idea to make a board game they're solely looking at it as will this make will people buy this Mm -hmm. uh, so it, w the reason people buy it was not important for this spreadsheet. Uh, but you're just asking a separate question. Well, obviously, like any Kickstarter, nobody knew if the game would be good or not. Right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so no well, Kickstarter I mean, is successful because the game is good. <laughs> They're only successful because people hope it'll be good. Well, at least of recently, I feel like they sometimes they have demos out or like you can go on. That's true. That's true. Uh, and if they have a rule book, that gives you some idea, hopefully. But yeah, it's always a bit of a gamble. But I guess you're you're saying you're wondering how many of these are just like they don't even care if the game is good or not. They just want to put it on their shelf. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I, don't I don't think those people a, exist, though. That, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they do in some regard. Well, not, but, not even that. Maybe sometimes you buy it, then you regret it. Like it's. Oh, yeah. I, I I took us down a, a dumb road. <laughs> this is strictly a this is strictly a chart of success on Kickstarter, not success in the long term or of whether a game was good or not. Uh, but it's I don't it seems I mean this uh, I I not, I don't know about the the board game version, but this made me want to play the video game. Looks like fun. So <laughs> hey, that's still a win for them, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, there, there's a win, and they and they talk about how they're all board gamers too. Uh, at, at Ghost Ship Games, which is the company. Uh, he says some of his favorite co-op games are Gloomhaven, Eon's End, Robinson Crusoe, Spirit Island. So uh, that's cool. And I, I think people are excited about it. So that's fun. Uh, next one. Now, this one I'm really excited about. ARCS. A-R-C-S. This is uh, just a tease of the next game from Cole Worley, designer of Roots and the recent oath over at leader games and he's gave a little peek on twitter talking about his plans for his follow-up which again is called arcs and this one is a sci-fi game and it is going to have a smaller narrative campaign based element unlike oath where it was it's this whole crazy thing where you don't need the same group and it just goes on forever and changes every time you play. This is a little more traditional, a little more constrained. It'll be campaigns of like two to four games. He said that you could play maybe in three or four hours and it'll have kind of a beginning, middle and an end, but there will be some sort of player input that drives the narrative uh, and your choices. And he talks about how, because it's less open-ended than oath, uh, he, it gives him in another way more freedom than, or the players more freedom too to um, kind of I, make the world go crazy in different ways. Not he doesn't have to think about all the weird stuff. <laughs> yes, it doesn't need to last forever or what have you. Uh, also says that this game is one of his simplest 
designs ever. He says probably my simplest game compares it to um, learning less than a single root faction to to get started with this game. Uh, uh, but as you play, like you know, more more things emerge over the course of the episodes that make it more complex, but a much lower uh, jumping off point which is which is good i think and, and exciting um we still haven't uh played oath but i i hopefully we will be doing that before the end of the year and i'm really looking forward to it but you know i really love these guys we both love roots so what do you what do you think about arcs what are your hopes and dreams for this one I title mean, not final by the way well, uh it's exciting like we, we've loved most of the games that i could think i say most only because like for example we haven't played oath uh, that have come out from the company. I, I don't know why. Just in my head when you said like, this is the simplest game I've ever made. You know, it, in my head I'm thinking like, oh, so it, it's like uh, go fit. No, that's, you know, it's, it's it's obviously it's a relative thing. It's just very funny in my head when you mentioned that. Yes, it's not going to be, it's not going to be <laughs> dumb. <laughs> it just be less complex than Root. Yeah, yeah uh but but you know i and and i i think that's exciting that it's going to be just one uh one learning one root faction is not that hard uh it's all the other weird little interactions so if that's basically the premise of the whole game is that that level of depth well i shouldn't say depth complexity uh that's cool so yeah, th this is one is still uh, a little ways away. I think he said it's probably going to be on Kickstarter uh, sometime late Q1 or Q2 of next year. So they're still working on it, but it's it's fun. I like that uh you know the developer is willing to go on Twitter and just kind of post these scattered thoughts and tease a game like this. There is a little bit of artwork too, uh, so that that looks. It looks cool. <laughs> it's going to be a sci-fi game, so that, they haven't really done that before. So that's also exciting to me. All right, so that's Arcs, and then the last one is a new version of Dice Throne uh, that is themed around Marvel. So Dice Throne is a, a, a game where you have different characters uh, with different abilities, and you're rolling their unique dice. And you can face off against each other 1v1, or you can throw in multiple players, have team-based. Um, and they, they, they've they sold them in, like, seasons before, I believe. Dice Throne is, is another game that I haven't had, uh, haven't had, I don't really have much familiarity with. But they are, have announced a new version that is going to have Marvel characters in it. Now, I know, <laughs> I, I, well, I, I, I have a feeling uh, you're not going to, you're not super excited about this partnership. <laughs> I mean, you say it like I'm angry about it. <laughs> well, sometimes you just, sometimes you get, you know, you get passionate. That's all. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry if that's not, uh, I don't find Marvel the most exciting thing. It's like how you hear about a third party character joining smash. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't say, I don't know why you want to start a fight with me right now. I didn't, I didn't say I'm also not that excited about this one. I'm just trying to give you a segue of how I assume your feelings are. <laughs> well, am I wrong or not? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, I haven't even played the regular dice throne. So for all I know, 
This is like the best perfect fit you could think of. The thing I was just trying to get at, I didn't mean to like put you on a <laughs> on a defensive stance here. It was just that I know in the past you've said you, you kind of feel like there's a lot of Marvel games out there. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it is something that's popping up a lot, but at the very least, it's just, the, and yeah, it's not as, I'm not as big of a Marvel zombie, but it makes <laughs> other people happy. And I don't think most of them have been like, too negatively received ha have any um well there's i don't know there's a lot but yeah most of the big marvel games people like you got marvel champions marvel united marvel legendary those are probably the big three well i don't okay i all any of my the negative feelings you're talking about are usually when it's a like i don't count champions and legendary in that at all because they literally built it with marvel you know like Marvel was the core at the core at the first place. Mm. So you're thinking of the spinoffs. So things like uh, Marvel, like Marvel Unmatched, Munchkin. Marvel Munchkin, Marvel Codenames. Yeah, when yeah. you have all that, you know, and that isn't as I'm like, OK, it's there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I, I get it. It's a it's when you have it, then there's a big license like this. Sometimes it gets overexposed. I mean, I'm I'm even feeling that a little bit for one of my favorites because uh, we are seeing a lot of alien games. I'm like, oh, it's another one. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's not a Marvel territory. It's no Cthulhu and zombies. Um, but you, it's definitely, and it's a surprise too, considering Covenant. When did Covenant come out? It's not recent. I'll say that. Uh, before we, uh, I feel bad about how long ago since that came out. Mm -hmm. It was uh, five years ago, I think. Um, yeah, but. Marvel Dice Throne is coming. I mean, I mean, uh, it sounds like if you miss Marvel, uh, actually, do they still make it? I think they still make Marvel Dice Masters in my head. I just think it's dead, but I think it still exists. Uh, but if you want more opportunities to throw dice at each other playing as different Marvel characters, uh, it seems like it could be a cool uh, version of that. So why not? Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you know, I get I'm not. Are you? this has been on me have you excited it at all or <laughs> i don't i don't want you Would to feel like be... i've been interrogating you no i no no like... i just meant like i've been the only one giving i feel like i no because i, think I, I, went on I thought i said pretty much that i agree with you i like you i don't have familiarity with dice throne so i don't i can't say if one way or the other but uh well then let me ask you this as people who aren't familiar with dice throne mm. if you saw both of these on a shelf and let's assume price wise they're the same so you're don't have to worry about that. Would you pick the Marvel one over the regular one? Assuming that they're like equal quality, like they. Yeah, let's also let's assume you didn't reviews. hear that like Marvel, <laughs> like, oh, they it's unbalanced or they went cheap or we're literally assuming you're not losing out with the exception of theme. I don't know. I think I, I think I might be more inclined to get the non Marvel one. Uh but the fact that there was Marvel, if I liked the base, I definitely would probably want to go for the Marvel one next. <laughs> but fair I feel enough, like I would, I would want like the core original experience first. That's that's my right. thing. And no, I mean, and I get that. And to be fair, you and I are both the kind of people, you especially, um, you know, like I bet in our podcast or our, our, our Patreon podcast, the audio expansion, you're going to tell me how you've been going through the recent 007 movies again to prepare for the newest 007 movie. Cause you, you, you got to start from the original and go up. Yeah, that's right. That's my, that's my thing. 
And I'm not, and it's great. <laughs> in particular, I loved it when we did it for Mission Impossible, just because that one too, you get to see the t- how time has changed so much with technology. That that was a that was a great that was a great experience. I won't I, I won't confirm or deny if I've been watching 24 James Bond movies the past. Few oh, I, I I mean, I want to. Re- I haven't watched a lot of the old ones, so I want to do that. But I just assumed you would have start with um, Daniel Craig's. Oh yeah. Line. The, the problem is a lot of those movies are not good. Um. So <laughs> that is. So that's Marvel Dice Throw. Now they just announced it. I'm not sure. Uh, about the release date of the oh kick oh it's it's soon the Kickstarter is launching at the end of the month so we'll get to see it uh exactly what's what's going to be involved you know am I, I, I yeah that is a little weird I mean I get it, it it's oh what that it's know, Kickstarter yeah you shouldn't this should be way beyond surprise at this point I, I know <laughs> yeah I'm not saying I'm surprised <laughs> it is weird though because once again I mean it's sort of like hearing about. Uh, a terrible politician doing a terrible thing. I'm not surprised, but doesn't I mean, change. You know? Honestly, I think a big part of that is probably from Marvel's end slash Disney. They're, they, I don't know who approached whom for this deal, for this game, but they're probably not willing to put the money up. It's To them, this might be a more untested thing. So mm-hmm. they might actually be saying to the creators of Dice Throne, well, give us the Kickstarter, and if people actually want it, we'll make it. You know what Dice, I mean? I, I think the other ones were on Kickstarter too. That could be it. Well, but, it's also also partially this is published. It looks like they're they're partnering with the op for this one, Roxley Games. So it's uh they they have done some Marvel stuff before too, but Marvel Smash Up, there's another one for you. Uh but anyway, it it'll <laughs> it'll be there. Uh my, I was gonna say my my one hope would be I would love it if we did see some. It depends on who seems like a good fit for it, depending on their powers and things. But, you know, I liked how Marvel Champions, when it came out, it had She Hulk in there. It had some different characters that you don't you mean always it didn't see. You start off with the obvious Avengers plus Spidey. Right. Yeah. It would be fun to see a couple of different, more unique, you know, throw an X Men in there. Why not? Maybe, maybe you get a. Who, who, all right. Let, how many characters are in a court? I don't want to. There were four in the base, I think, or maybe there were six. I think, it was, but then they started selling it in different versions, so it's not. I don't know. <laughs> give <laughs> yeah, me, give what... me the X Men. That's that's what I'll say. All right. So those are the games that you got to look forward to uh, at some point in the near future, and that's going to bring us out of the news roundup and in to the Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one, Kickstarter Pickstarter. All right. Well, again, I think not as many crazy things as last. Last week, we were also kind of uh, covering two weeks in a row because we didn't really talk about Kickstarters during Gen Con. But uh, still some promising things this week. Will, t- there's just the two of us. So you just just tell me what what projects have caught your eye on Kickstarter. All right. The first one I'm going to talk about is uh, I should have practiced saying this before uh, the, we start recording. But uh, this is your chance. Terraternity <laughs> sounds good. Terraternity. Thank you. Yes. Like eternity, but with a Terra. Yes. Uh, the idea behind this game is it can be cooperative or competitive, but pretty much it's all about the um, pretty much uh, dealing with carbon and how that is ruining the world and how we can try and fix it. Uh, you are going to be playing on this map of the world. And you will be playing country cards 
to try your goal is pretty much to try to convert country enough countries into carbon neutral using green energy but uh what well, first of all it actually looks like it has a lot going on with the board game version but what's really weird is when you first play country card and get resources you add carbon cubes to to this little uh, earth standee i guess and it's almost a dexterity game because if you drop carbon that triggers a negative climate like climate change event which has you drop these red cubes and see who gets hurt by that so there seems very early on you're going to be forced to like we are now to use some carbon mm. but after you play you can start investing in like getting scientists to research green energy systems and if you can get a country to make as much green energy as they make as their their carbon energy costs pretty much a one-to-one you've made them carbon neutral so I thought it looked like I like the theme. It's a theme that we're all trying to deal with right now. Uh, it's very colorful and in a positive way. The dexterity element, I think, is very clever and makes sense of like trying to stack <laughs> this all this up and hopefully, uh, hopefully find a way around before consequences hit. <laughs> yeah, and are there? It looks like there's two different games. In there's one. a card game as well. Um, that's a little bit cheaper, but really like everything I'm talking about is all part of the, the board game, mm -hmm. which I do think. And I was surprised because, you know, obviously with a game like this, they have like the plant friendly neutral. So I was thinking, oh boy, this is probably going to be extremely expensive. It's $59 for Kickstarter. It's going to be MSGB 65. So it's definitely on the higher end, but it's not like my head was like 80, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it looks it does look neat. There's the, like it's like a little earth standee with a bowl on top that the cube. The bowl is a stretch goal. Uh, so it currently is no bowl. It's you having to stack on top of the little circle. They haven't uh, hit the stretch goal yet. I thought it was pretty. No, uh, uh, they they aren't. I don't think they're funded yet. Oh no! According oh, to my, let me refresh. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, they have not. <laughs> they have not funded. Uh, I just, uh, it just looked so, so positive. And once again, has cooperative, competitive, and I didn't. I, somehow I missed this. It has a solo mode. Oh, because it's locked after a stretch goal for a solo mode. So it's always nice when you have multiple modes. You know. Yeah. All right. So Terra Eternity. That's up there right now. What else? Oh, I wasn't sure if we we're going to go back and forth or, but uh, yeah, sure. Next one I've got, don't go in there. Uh oh, this is by the same people who did canvas. The idea is you're all kids. You went to a haunted house and you, of course, you know, everything there is cursed and evil, but you still were like, Ooh, that's a cool object. And you touch something and now you're cursed. So your goal is to have the least amount of curses. while Also not getting too haunted. It's a sort of net. They, I think they call it set destruction game. The idea is there are like multiple floors of the house and you're going to place one of your meeples betting how deep you go in pretty much the farther you go in, the more the, you get first pick of the items there. The items have different curse levels. You obviously want the ones with lower curse levels. Hmm. Now, if you go deeper though, after everyone's picked, you're going to roll dice and the dice will either be blanks or show ghosts. The deeper in, the more dice you have to accept. So if you went all the way down where there's where you have to accept all five dice, you got to take everything. And more. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most ghosts gets curse their curse level increased depending on half the number of ghosts they collect. 
So it's a weird push your luck game that's set collecting. And the box itself actually transforms into the dice tower that you roll the ghosts in. Oh, yeah. You know, we love that. <laughs> so, and the people who did Canvas, I really like, I had a, I love that game. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, and I, component wise, that's fantastic. So I imagine this box will be very well done. It will not be like something cheap that you have to worry about. And the theme, I think, is cute, also dark. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention those items you collect, Jonathan, if you get like a certain number for them. That's the set collecting, and you can, they can they negate it. Like if you get all if you get three mirrors, hmm. you can you don't have any more curse. So that's the other thing too. Yeah, I have to say I I glanced at this and I wasn't uh, something about the art style was a little off putting to me. I didn't l really look at it too much, but now I didn't realize it was from the people who did Canvas. So that makes me go, oh, it actually maybe is a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, I mean that's how I know about it was because of the emails. Um, yeah. so I'm like, okay, there, this is not from no one. We, this has some, you know, pedigree to it, I guess you could say. Yeah. I do love that box thing. Uh, what's the price on this one? Uh, this one is the, is $35 for the, and that's the only pledge level. It seems. Oh, no way. Oh, wow. I was just, I thought I, I can't scroll more somehow. I accidentally scroll. It's 25 for the regular 35 for the limited edition. Mm, all right. Well, just in time for Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, but not this year, next year. <laughs> and I've got one more really just to mention because I thought it was cute and funny. Um, and that's just someone's making a it's called the magic six dice. It's a magic eight ball, but it's a die instead. And I just thought it was really funny. Magic six dice. It's like it's it's you, sh you shake a die and it gives you a number. Yes, it's it's no magic meatball, but uh it's still something funny. It's, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's, it, that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> it's a, it's a magic six dice. It, it looks like it should be a fidget cube or something, but it's just a, it's just a magic eight ball. Um, now if, if they, they, they designed some dumb game around it and that was the gimmick, then I'd be on board for magic six dice. Uh, all right. So uh, those are a few things. I will also mention a, a few different product, the product projects that are on Kickstarter now at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, some that are just, you know, some in just in passing that I think are worth mentioning and eh, most of them in passing. I mean, first, we got to we got to talk about hair of the dog, which is on Kickstarter now, of course. Because we had uh, the designers, the developers on our show as guests a few weeks ago, cherry picked games. And uh, this is the one we've talked about before that we got to play where you're in a pub trying to pet the most dogs, but you also got to watch out because if the servers catch you without a drink, you're going to get shamed and you're trying to secretly figure out which dogs you can pet. And some of them have different requirements they might need, uh, like certain toys or certain types of food that you have to give them. Uh, a fun, cool, uh, silly game with very cute dog artwork big i won't talk about it too much because we have talked about it before uh to some extent but i we are, we've enjoyed all of the all of the cherry picked games and you know if you want to you want a dog game this is the one to look at i think there's a chance that maybe will's dog is going to be in there too but <laughs> no, no promises yeah i mean they haven't contacted the sense I, I just they asked can they, and i said please you're more than welcome to use the art because uh, Loki is a very pretty dog. 
there you go <laughs> as are we all uh so that that looks very cool so that that's probably personally the, the one i'm most excited about but you know it feels a little bit like we know them so uh it's not well i mean also just as always not i mean this one's great and we had a lot of fun too but we cherry picked games their games need more love they're fantastic and they're not talked about enough yeah yeah i agree um we've also got some some big projects this week tales from the red dragon inn so the red dragon inn is this drinking party game about adventures in a in a after their party in a bar and uh i guess you don't have to drink to play it but it's it's possible to play as a drinking game and there's been like eight billion expansions for that game with the million characters and whatever and now they're actually making a full-on co-op dungeon crawl style game in that universe uh and i don't know that i'm really that excited about it i was never a huge fan of the red dragon Inn series but it's kind of cool that they're that they're doing that that they're 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 doing it they're going the extra mile and actually making that game that's always just kind of been the the joke in the exposition of the other games and i guess since they finally said they're not going to make any more expansions for red dragon Inn, they had to come up with a new a new way to use that property uh so that's that's something that's some slugfest games and that's i mean people people really like that series it's doing very well on on kickstarter uh, so yeah, the, I mean, it yeah. seems like a natural progression when you've made like, God, I don't know how many characters there are, but I remember someone actually uh, wanting to play it on uh, Tabletop Simulator. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, sure. And like everyone already choose a character. I'm just looking through like, oh, God, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's and like I, 50 you know, I don't characters. Mean, you know, about it. <laughs> but like when you have all that, there's like just like, um, you know, Sentinels. I, I I think you might as well use it if you got the universe. That's how we get more people to when we go to board game conventions actually cosplays board game characters. Yeah, and that's the dream. <laughs> that's the ultimate. That's the final thing. That's the only reason we made this this podcast and YouTube channel. We want to get people dressing up as board game characters. That's all we're asking. For. That's what we're striving for. Uh, so Tales from Red Dragon in ninety dollars. Ninety dollars for this uh, includes some special limited stuff so if you're a big fan that's that's that one uh there's also a game called Mythwind. another one this one is also doing huge numbers on kickstarter and Mythwind is a co-op game you're all trying to build a city together and each character is unique and has their own kind of special abilities and whatnot but uh, the thing that I found fascinating about this game, I haven't gone too in depth on it, but it's it's another kind of like Oath that we talked about before. It's a game in which the story keeps going as you play. And according to them, I don't know if they mean ever, but from what I saw, there is no end to the game. So when you are when you stop playing is whenever you decide to stop playing <laughs> like when you get together at game night it's been two hours it's like you could stop or you could play another four like there's not a 
it, it, there's no conclusion. I I think eventually, because there's envelopes and things you can open, there must be some kind of story conclusion you reach at some point. But it's it's not a it's structured in the traditional way, which I thought was pretty weird. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious how that works. Um, that one is called Mythwind. I just imagine another thing to be like, you're playing the game. The first thing, first turn you do something, you're like, all right, I'm in the lead now. We're done. We're ending the game now. <laughs> it, it is cooperative. <laughs> so Yes, but I'm, you know, there's cooperative, but I'm winning. Not with the people that I choose to play with. Uh, so this one goes for $84. And again, it's called Mythwind. And a couple RPG things on here. Uh, there's Chew, the role-playing game. Uh, which also had a, an IDW game that maybe you won't be able to get anymore and was based on a successful comic book. I think it's going to be a TV show now, too, if it hasn't already started. There's going to be a Chew series. Chew is this weird series. I've only read a couple issues of it, but it's there's this weird things with people who have food powers and the main character, if he takes a bite of something, he can tell its past. So like if he takes a bite of a murder victim, he knows how they got murdered. <laughs> uh, so now there's an RPG of that. So you can like develop your own weird food based superpower. Um, and it seems like the kind of thing that I would really like that comic if I ever uh, took the time to learn more about it. Uh, and there's also a new uh, addition to the lazy DMs guide series. This is uh, from Sly Flourish. There's a big, um the lazy dms guide i think is what the original one is called they've had a few different books now they have a new one called the lazy dms companion and this one is for primarily for dnd 5e and it just has a bunch of different uh like quick tools and tips and helpful notes and things for dms who want to run a campaign uh i've i've read the original or i think it was the revised edition of their lazy dm guide and and there's some good stuff in there just general tips of how to prepare and keep things flowing for for players um so i'm i'm not sure exactly how uh meaty this one is going to be it's just called a companion but uh you know if you're if you are a dm people pretty much everybody i think agrees these are really good resources to to check out um and that one is just 10 bucks for a pdf uh, or you can get the whole series on here for $20 uh, digitally. So pretty good. That includes some maps and stuff, too. So that's kind of fun. All right. That that was all the stuff that I thought was uh, on Kickstarter this week. There's also, there's also a, uh, an expansion for the Phantom Card game, which I talked about recently. And hopefully I'll have my review out while that's still on Kickstarter <laughs> in the coming weeks. Uh, so that's something else maybe you want to look at. Also, before we get out of Kickstarter proper, have to mention a couple that we previewed recently on our YouTube channel. There's Fractal Beyond the Void, which is a big sci-fi 4X game that has a solo mode and a narrative campaign mode and a lot of different little rules and modules and different things you can mix and match. If you like 4X games of any kind where you're going out into space and exploring and trying to fight each other, This is definitely one you should check out. And the other one is Shazen Azadi. This is a follow-up to the original game was just Shazen. Azadi is kind of a standalone expansion. This is a big political game based on real-world politics where you're trying to influence voters and uh, put them into the zones you need to while also trying to overthrow the current imperial government. So there's a lot going on in that one, in both of these games, actually. 
Shazan Azadi and Fractal Beyond the Void, go to our YouTube channel and you will see full in-depth previews of those with all of the info if you're interested in that stuff. And that's what's happening in the crowdfunding world. Let's move into games we've been playing in Table Talk. I don't know if I Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. So we've been playing a handful of things here and there, but the 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 big one, I know the big one that people are going to want to hear about that's probably going to be I think like the centerpiece of this episode potentially is absolutely. Uh, it's going to no. be my legendary <laughs> encounters. <alien>. I, I, <laughs> all right. You, you, all right. you did it. Are you happy? You got it out. <laughs> uh, I am. All right. Do your thing. <laughs> the real one that I'm talking about is unfathomable from fantasy flight games. This is their newest release, which is based around the Cthulhu mythos. The premise is you are a team of humans on a ship trying to make your way to Boston. Is there you trying to get to Boston? And uh, yes. you're being plagued by deep ones and including including Father Dagon and Mother Hydra who are attacking the ship. And also uh, one or more of you are secretly hybrids working with the deep ones trying to stop everyone inside and if this sounds a little familiar to you it's because this is a re-implementation of battlestar galactica the board game which is no longer in print and we have we've followed the whole journey of this from when it was just a rumor i remember talking about it on on patreon to when they finally announced it uh because uh, battlestar galactica is one of the first games we played as a group it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's a game that we've come back to time and time again, and whether or not everybody always loves it, it's has a it has a pretty strong position in terms of just memory and its place, its status in our gaming group over the years. So I think we were all very interested to find out how this game was going to be. And of course, with the original one being out of print, it's always been for me very... I feel bad being like, this is my favorite game. No one can buy it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't feel good to like, I can't recommend that game because it doesn't exist anymore unless you spend $400 on eBay. So we finally got to play this new version of it, Unfathomable, and we did a full six-player game. That's the the player cap. Yeah, it goes from three to six. And... Uh, I, I where should, I don't know where should we where do we start with this one maybe 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 we should talk about here's here's my question to you just to kind of lay the groundwork what to you were some of the more notable differences or things that weren't that different that you experienced playing this compared to the original well technically I'll count this as a difference and the first thing is it's obvious that they looked at the entire game and they're like all right what should what should be like just considered a core set. Like we've played plenty of games sometimes when we're like, this expansion is just necessary. And I feel like they looked at that too. For example, the treachery deck, which is an expansion in the Battlestar game is core here. So yeah. that's like, like it seems like a small thing, but it's to me that was like, Oh, I see that they're not just, they didn't just literally look at the core of Battlestar. They took it, the game as a whole. I think also it's not literally in the game, but the way the Cylon fleet board would keep the the ships as a constant threat. This game has a similar element that does that too. 
Right. Now, there are, I think the bigger thing is there are a lot of subtle things um, that are, I think, make it, for example, Treachery deck does not start in the your Destiny slash Chaos deck. I'm using what, what both games call it. Yeah. Uh, which is a little bit nice because you don't have to be like, oh, God, we know there are two cards in there no matter what they're killing us. Right. This is a this is a random deck that gets thrown into group votes that could screw up your plans. But I get and I, what I find interesting, a lot of things that became I think that they had to change for thematic reasons, like you don't go out in Raptors anymore. <laughs> right. Which are the spaceships, the spaceships. <laughs> I sort of feel like they're. Actually, for almost just like tightening the rules, for example, there's the outer deck, which everyone can go on. And that's more like the where you fight, you can fight deep ones and the deep ones still come in the center. There's no two different kinds of deep ones. Like in Battlestar, there's the regular Raiders and heavy Raiders. And if heavy Raiders act differently because they can go in the ship and they raise the, what, like the infiltration track. Something like that. Yeah. So this is like, look, there's just deep ones and they make their way towards the center. The boarding track, Centurion boarding track. Centurion boarding uh, track. Yeah. And also there's no pi characters no longer have classes so in the original game. Well, actually anybody could take a ship out in Battlestar Galactica, but you had a pilot class that were really more geared for that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you had to get in that ship to go into space. <laughs> uh, and this one, it's a little more universal. Anybody can walk out to that outer deck, which essentially acts as what outer space was <laughs> in the original right. game. <laughs> but then there's also the water spaces, which I really love because what happens there, if you, if you can keep enemies at bay there, they move with the water, with the ship. Mm -hmm. which uh, thematically I think is really cute and fun, but also feels like there's a lot more thinking about positioning and stuff. Yeah. Right. Cause if you, if you move the ship forward uh, and maybe they were next to a dangerous spot, but now you're moving them, they'll move backwards somewhere. That's maybe is better protected or something. But if that dangerous part is backwards, then there's like, guys, should we move the ship? Maybe not yet. We need to like, repair this first or something so <laughs> right yeah that's what a hybrid would say uh and uh other 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 th things that are like purely oh. yeah what i could i i just thought it just occurred to me because you said that's what a hybrid would say one of the big changes yeah, yeah the yeah. cultist right so now so now there is a cultist which even in itself is kind of a reworking of the uh, cylon sympathizer from the original game but it's essentially a a traitor that is just doesn't want to be a traitor quite until near the end of the game. Whereas a hybrid identity. And if it wasn't obvious, people don't know, and we didn't explain this. Everybody has a secret identity at the beginning of the game, uh, which could, you could get a new secret identity halfway through as well. But uh, you're either a hybrid who wants to destroy the ship outright. Doesn't matter how, when, or where, or a, the cultist who, wants the same thing but he wants the ship to get a little bit further so it's basically there in certain player counts i think as a balancing mechanism so that neither side has too great an advantage mm -hmm. um and then in terms of things that are purely new to this version that i can think of uh item cards are probably the biggest one oh yeah you, you now can actually get items there's a space in the board to grab them from and it could be weapons it could be magical stuff that have various effects or uses. They could improve your stats, so you can actually draw more different types of cards on your turn. Um, and uh, what, what else is there? Anything else? I'm well. The way that the uh, like player powers are handled is a little bit different. 
Well, yeah, and that's great because your reveal power is on your personal card now. So if you're like, I'm not sure what's my power again, and you look at your loyalty card, everyone's like, oh, he's looking at his loyalty card. Right. He's probably a traitor. <laughs> yeah, they did a little bit of work to make it less obvious, I think. You can you can freely look at your reference cards without looking suspicious <laughs> in this game. Uh, so, so that's nice. And I think, and, and there's a lot of other subtle changes, as you said, uh, but I think largely, well, I guess I'll just give you my, I don't know about my ultimate takeaway, but one of my takeaways from the game uh, by the end of the night was pretty much for better or worse. This is Battlestar Galactica. I didn't feel that it was significantly um, improved or diminished or even even with some of the changes we've said that have an impact. I think the overall experience is intact. It is pretty I pretty much felt the same way during and after this game as I would during a Battlestar Galactica game, not um, not taking into account maybe some of the expansion elements that aren't in this from that version um, or other things too. Like we can talk about the theme too, but uh, overall, like mechanically I, you know, I felt pretty much like, yeah, we played Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> that, that was my experience, but I don't, I don't know. Was it, did you think it was significantly different from for you in any way? I mean, the biggest thing is for me, it was just coming down to the theme, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that while that sounds like, Oh, but it's the same game. But, you know, some for, I mean, like you said, I don't think you said it yet, but like, what are you this was such a thematic game for Battlestar. <laughs> no, I think you said it before. Oh, like, yeah. like yeah. to you, it just fit the show so perfectly. And I do think this was a much better job with uh, Deep Ones than the, uh, the Mansion of Madness scenario. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the, the hidden traitor scenario in Mansion yes. of Madness. Yeah. Um, and I do like some of the tweaks and stuff, but I wonder how much of it like is because we know Battlestar. Yeah, I actually so, really wish know. that I, we didn't play with anyone who hadn't played Battlestar. <laughs> In fact, I don't know that we know anyone who hasn't anymore <laughs> at this point. But I do wonder because I do think for the most part, I don't know if you played this game without playing Battlestar, if you would notice anything off about the theme. If you never knew there was a Battlestar, I don't think you would feel anything was out of place. No, that, yeah, and that was actually pretty impressive. I liked how, like, for the changes they made that, like, uh, how the cultists, for example, the, re the, the thematic reason behind is they're not a deep one yet, so they can't breathe underwater. So they need to get the ship as close to land as possible. Right. <laughs> but I, I never felt like the theme, because I've, obviously we played Bowser, like um, like it, it hampered it. It yeah. still felt like all of it to its core. Yeah, I agree. At the same time, I will say, though, I do still feel that there is, it's almost intangible. Maybe after playing more and comparing, I can make more specific examples, but there is, is it there you i think you can tell when you play battlestar the same way that you can tell with legendary alien which we'll talk about you know and as opposed to its other iterations this game was designed so specifically around battlestar it really was and even though i think they did do a great job adapting it it's not 
the, the one of the main reasons I love Battlestar is to me it is the best adaptation of to a board game. I just think every mechanic is one to one perfect, and it, it's not, it's not quite that perfect. Like it just it couldn't be. I didn't I didn't ever expect it to be because it just wasn't huh. designed for that. Series. <laughs> I was sort of thinking it did a little better. <laughs> well, have you ever watched Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, but well, this is what I'm. There is one thing that the reason is that because of Battlestar, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm certain but, people are not Cylons. Well, but in the sure. game, that character could be Cylon. These and make like there is no like I guess it, like it's a small thing, but to me, that's it's like when you sure, can but but the, in terms of the actual what you're doing in the game, I mean, all those things are are perfect to me. I mean, I'm I'm genuinely like I am. I'm actually like, you know, I was, I haven't watched in a long time, but back in the day, I was like a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, watched all four seasons, was super into it. So I don't know if the perspective is the same. I, I, I didn't think you'd, have you well, watched how, the whole thing? No, but how is this, okay. how do you think it fails the Lovecraft? Well, this is, no, I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying, I just think that you can, you can, I, and I'm saying this is someone who's familiar with Battlestar and, I don't think you would even notice this difference if you weren't, but I just know every little mechanic in Battlestar to me feels perfectly like Battlestar. Whereas uh, I just know this wasn't designed for Lovecraft. Maybe it's just the fact that I have that knowledge. I know it's a re-implementation. I know they had to make concessions. I mean, I'll try to think of something specific, like even the voting, you know, every round you or not every round, but most rounds you're doing a skill check where everyone votes in some kind of crisis. And in Battlestar, oh, it makes perfect sense. You have a hierarchy. There's a president. There's an admiral. These are all things from the show. They have a military and a political structure in place, and it feels very natural. And if I were to sit down tomorrow, if I didn't know this game existed and say we're making a Cthulhu game where you're all on a boat trying to fight off deep ones. I don't think I would ever suggest a political voting element to be a core component of the game. That doesn't feel like a natural fit. I guess to me, this, I, I will say, and I'm not Captain saying it's, Rose it's perfect. Worse. I would say it. I'm just saying thematically. No, I know, but I'm just saying for me, it was a perfect fit. Okay. Like even before we heard the rumors, I was saying that they should reskin it with Arkham Horror. I'm going to go back to that episode and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you said that exactly, but uh, well, I mean, even like, I don't know, to me, the president makes a lot more sense than the, what is it? The tome keeper. <laughs> that is the one, but everything else makes sense to me because like, I mean, it's the thing, but why would the, I just, I guess I don't know. Like, why is the cap? I, maybe I'm wrong. The captain I, thing makes sense to me. It's the same thing as the battle. No, no, stars. no, I know. No, no, no. Let, let me finish. I, I know the captain makes sense, but I feel like the crew wouldn't, I'm like my character isn't a crew member in the game. My character is backstory was a passenger. Why am I helping to vote? Are you telling me every person on the they're uh, in, all in, in Battlestar are military units? Because nope. I'm I'm guessing not all of them are in the military. Therefore, there's no reason they'd ever get the general. <laughs> no, but they're all look. I, I know what you're trying to do. I I, all, I think I'm misunderstanding. No, I think you're just being a little bit. You're take. I think you're taking my point too literally. Like obviously, every game has to make concessions. Nothing is literally one to one. I just, to me, 
my ultimate point is that I don't think that if Fantasy Flight made this game, if Battlestar didn't exist, I don't think they ever would have added that political element to it, for example. I, I think that is there because of Battlestar. And same thing with um, I mean, several of the other elements, too. I mean, They did a terrible job at it, but they did a political, I mean, hidden traitor element is part of the mansion scenario. The reason this works better is because there already was the perfect sure. game set up that they copied. I'm not people. saying like in a million years it would never, it's, and it's never happened before and never will again. I just feel like it, I, a lot, I feel like several of the choices in here to me just are, it's just not as one-to-one. -one. I just think it's, 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 it's the same thing as if you, you know, I don't know any, any of these games that are so tied to their property. If you took Firefly, the board game, and just made it generic space game or made it now it's in the ocean and you're sailing on boats. You could do a great job making it one-to-one, -one, but I know Firefly was designed around the fact that those characters get jobs and go to planets and have these very specific Firefly things. Uh, it's, you know, it's just always to me, the theme is always a little stronger when it's designed just for what it's designed for. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I that, look, no, know. that is true. And I that goes back also yeah. to the legendary thing. I just feel like, this is, to me, it was such, so close, such a good fit that it's the different, like the, it's minuscule. Like, I feel, do feel like Deep Ones fit so well. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's. Yeah. For me, for me, it's, yeah. It's, for me, it's just a little, on the back of my head, I guess I just couldn't quite shake it. <laughs> uh, but I also think I'm a much bigger fan of Battlestar than you, the board game, than you are. So I was, you know, maybe my hackles were raised a little bit for some of these things. I was a little bit more on the lookout for feeling out those differences. Um, but but I, so let me let's talk about the our experience with this session itself. Uh, it ended up with you. You were uh, one of the hidden traders. I was the cultist, so I was the kind of the traitor up uh, at a certain point, but sort of wanting to play both sides. Um, and I know that, uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show as to our difference of opinions of what we think about hidden role games and things like that. But, uh, what did, did any of that, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say that was one of my, one of the things I feel like I wish they had fixed. <laughs> one of my biggest complaints about Battlestar always has been that I'd think it's very boring once you reveal as a Cylon. I almost never want to do it because I just don't think it, it's nearly as fun. You feel you feel separated. You feel isolated. It's there's not as much for you to do, and I I kind of feel like it was the same thing in this game. Um, did did you did you enjoy being a secret evil bad guy? <laughs> I never enjoy being a secret evil bad guy, um, especially when a game any game that goes long. Um. Mm -hmm. This game goes really pretty long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially, I don't know. There's just something when you know early on, too. You're just like, all right. I I can't talk with everyone about my plans. And if I reveal, then it's just me, everyone talking much for much longer because they know who the bad guy is while you sit and wait for your turn. Yeah, that's the part I don't like. They, there also no longer is, uh, you used to get your own ship with your own like boards and stuff, your own actions as a Cylon in this game, which I kind of, there I is think, no, Oh, that is the one that changed. We didn't bring up. There's yeah. no player elimination. 
You don't die. Oh, well, there was never player elimination. You'd always come Sorry, back. yes. I, I, I should have <laughs> corrected, but like... Characters can In the other one, die. you can be killed. Like, Although that there's was... There's no um, airlock. The airlock, remember, was added in an expansion. That's the Pegasus. Oh, oh well. So Well, um, like I said, though, they looked at it and they're like, they could have made that part of this. Yeah, and they made still a- in an expansion. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, yeah, now you just you keep moving around the ship when you're a bad guy, which I think was their attempt to f- make it feel more like, oh, I'm still on the ship. I'm still like part of this. But I think, like you said, it just even when there's we had all three bad guys revealed, it still just feels like there's not nearly as much to discuss as that, like cooperation and camaraderie of being the humans. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I, I don't know what the fix would be for that. I can't think of one. Clearly, neither could they, <laughs> or they didn't think it needed one. Uh, but that is one thing. But I mean, uh, I'll you know, I, I want to play this game more, and we've already talked about it a fair bit, I, and we have other things to discuss. So I don't want to go too long. But my overall, I'll say, initial impressions. I'm happy this game exists because I do think I don't feel that recommending this. I there's any significant loss from the original game i think if you're someone who wishes they could play battlestar this is the next best thing and you're not gonna it's not gonna be like you're missing out on something except for the theme if you're a big fan of the theme then obviously you're missing out on a lot but uh, in terms of the gameplay i like i think they did a great job recreating that experience i had a great time playing it at the end but i also i still did feel like i played battlestar galactica and I think that's a good thing, <laughs> but all for, it is, it's yes, underwhelming it is. for me just because I don't, I don't feel like I need to play this over that version of it. Um, yeah, no, I do think yeah. that is, that is the thing. Um, at the very least, you know, I think it's not the, the worst outcome. It's, I mean, it's things that went out of print to begin with, mm-hmm. but uh, at the very least, it doesn't feel like a, a poorly ported skin. You, all the core game mechanics are there, and it's obvious, like we said, they have things before, and I'm sure expansions kind of things. Maybe that's when we'll start seeing things that really make it branch off. Um, maybe there's going to have different Elder Gods instead of Dagon and Mother Hydra, which could, maybe that's how you, you swap up your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what they are going to do with those expansions and how they will format them. Granted, Fantasy Flight is not known for trying out new things. <laughs> They're also not known for re- releasing expansions in a timely manner always. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows if and when that will be coming. Well, actually, here's my question then. As someone who loves Battlestar. hey, And assuming that they just more or less did a one-to-one thing, what would you want to see from an expansion? I mean, the Pegasus is the obvious choice. And I, I think having that second ship with more actions plus being able to, it, I think it would be kind of cool if you could, especially because you have to travel between ships, they'd probably just make you discard a card like before. But I don't know. What if you had a little rowboat you got to go out in and <laughs> do something in? Uh, but yeah, and or even the president's ship in the original game, you, you still had uh, that uh, Colonial One that had different actions on it and that's not there anymore. I did find that the spaces in this were, I don't know if they were more abstracted. They were a little more 
hard for me to wrap my head around of like what the actions did exactly at each space. I found them a little more involved and weirder, but I can't recall exactly how different they were from the base. So I'm not sure if it's just have not having played in a while. And the other thing we didn't talk about with this game too, that is one of my bigger criticisms is there is no artwork <laughs> on any of the cards and also the colors we found. Some of them are real samey looking. And that was so in terms of the presentation, there were a couple things like that that were a little bit undesirable. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. So that's, that's unfathomable. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big game. But yeah, if you if you ever want to play BSG and you didn't have the chance, this game is the here and they don't have to pay money for it for licensing. So <laughs> I assume it's going to be around for a while. And that's ultimately a win for everybody. Um, all right, let's not spend too, too long talking about these other, these other things. I don't know. I don't know. Should we just run through some of these? What's, what's, what's exciting to you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, my legendary encounters alien. I'm happy that I finally finished the hardest mission. Granted, it was unbelievably dumb luck in the final thing fighting David that I flipped over the highest cost, uh, damage card, which I could have received. I don't know if you were watching it then, Jonathan. No. Um, I had the choice to play a card that would have given me a strike. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I could play this card first, or I could use the attack I have to attack David first, because I just shuffled the deck. They had me reshuffle the whole strike deck. So I was like, oh, my God. Like, Because I know I'm going to feel terrible. I knew I was going to feel terrible if I played that first and something hit me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, what do I go for? And I went for him, and it worked. So you've officially conquered all of the legendary alien content that's out there. No, all the scenarios. We haven't done the uh, the one v all. Oh yeah. Well, I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking scenarios. Yes. <laughs> because one v all. How do you conquer that? <laughs> it's just I win. playable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just meant. Yeah, you've you've beaten all you've beaten all the single player stuff uh, or multiplayer. It could be, I guess, co op stuff. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah, I, that was so that was a stream. You cannot catch that archived on our YouTube Roll for Crit live channel or still on Twitch probably right now. Um, I also streamed Marvel Champions, the new Mad Titans Shadow set. You can go watch that. Um, I had a lot of fun. That's all. That's all I'll say so far. <laughs> Just early impressions. I thought it's pretty fun. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good game. Uh, we also played Luna Capital, which is a tile laying game that we'll have a full review for sometime in the near future, which is all about you're colonizing the moon and uh, on your turn, you're uh, choosing a card and a set of tiles and each tile has different icons that represent different types of structures you're building on the moon. And usually you're trying to like organize them or match them in some way to score points. And there's also the cards are numbered and you're arranging them in three different rows where you have to have the numbers ordered sequentially from between one to ten. Uh, though you can have gaps. So you're kind of also playing a puzzle there as to which cards you take versus which tiles you take. And uh, this is just a game that taught me that I'm very bad at this game. <laughs> That's that's my that's all I can say about it. I've I I continuously just get stomped in this game. Something about the specific uh, way the tile 
laying uh, strategy works in this. I've been unable to understand, uh, but uh, that's okay. It's it's made everyone else who's played uh, feel good about themselves, get a self-confidence boost about their skills and abilities. Thoughts? <laughs> Contributions? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, one I almost don't want to say too much. I'm like, we are going to review this, so that's yeah, fine. You can you can say I whatever mean, you want. I just remember feeling like, just because most of it has been just Jonathan and me, and I'm like, oh no, just because the other person learning new who pretty much won. He made one mistake early on that he could have, because he was learning and he easily wouldn't have made a difference with the rest. But uh, I was like, oh god, is this going to be the thing where I just like because it feels like I'm just cheating because I know more, not because I like I played better. <laughs> you mean because you because you've read the rule book more or something? Yeah, like I was this just is like, just that you have a complex where you feel bad if you win by too much because you just feel bad, <laughs> and you were worried that uh, it was somehow your fault. But we learned that it's not; it's just me. I'm just very bad at the game, which I knew from the beginning too. <laughs> I was very, I was never in doubt of this fact, and hey, I'm, I'm fine with it it's just it's just how it is i can't say it feels good <laughs> but you know everybody can't be good at every game and for whatever re- i guess it is i don't know what it is i guess that's the thing that really can conf- like there are some games where i'm like no i know why i'm bad at that like i know why i would be bad at some like two-player competitive card game or something where you have to build your own deck this game i'm just like i don't it just baffles me i just my scores just aren't as good <laughs> and i just don't know what i'm doing like i know what i did wrong but i don't know how to but you know it. why yeah <laughs> i don't like what's wrong with my brain that i can't just pick the tiles that are good <laughs> i don't know how to do it uh i do blame the game a little bit but that one i'll save for the review <laughs> but mostly it's on me uh so that's the kind of the stuff we've been playing uh lately let's close the show out with a little bit of input from our friends in the meeple gallery meeple gallery all right. Uh, for the Meeple Gallery this week, we are going to dip back into the well from a patron of the show, Earth Fat. Earth Fat uh, has written in uh, with a question, a couple of questions. We'll do, we'll do a couple of Earth Fat's questions. Um, the first one is they're completely unrelated. The first one is what are some tips? And by the way, if you're listening to this, you can send us a question or comment, email us meeplegallery at gmail.com. Continuing earth fat asks, what are some tips you'd give to someone who's hosting a game night? Let's cover that one first. What are some tips you'd give to someone who's hosting a game night? All right. So first thing I do is call everyone and say it's canceled. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Good start. Well, uh, I guess the biggest thing is know, know who's coming. Uh, I mean this in player count of games. So you can know like, all right, I need to know. I need a, I've got like only four people coming over or I've got a lot. And also what kind of people are there? Are there people who love hidden role games? Or are there people who hate those kind of things? You know, maybe have a couple games set up that you know the rules to be picked because at least in our group you know we ha- we're very undecisive so maybe this way you can be like all right we're gonna we'll play this game then if no one can decide 
And obviously the other thing is make sure you have everything that's com- that makes sure people are comfortable, you know, uh, that, uh, drinks, food, if you're, if you don't have an area that is like delivery or you think that it's going to be too early or late for that kind of thing. So I guess, yeah, my bigger thing is prep on everything that isn't the games almost. Yeah. Well, so my, and my follow up to that will be do that prep and then also have a plan B. <laughs> because whatever you whatever you're planning uh isn't gonna happen so also like i think it's just good to practice to have like all right this will work if there's uh four people show up this will work if seven people show up this will be good if we need a filler game or if somebody shows up early uh have have multiple plans uh in place and uh you know i'm more of a I think just in life, I'm just more of a wing it kind of a guy, <laughs> but that's, but that's me. So <laughs> I don't know if that I'll give that as, as advice, <laughs> but I'm usually like, eh, I don't know. We'll figure out what we're going to eat. I don't know. Eh, I feel <laughs> wing it works better for something that's ske- like, if this is just like your 50th game night. Yeah. I guess, you know? I guess if this is like your first game night you've ever hosted or something, you want to make a good mm-hmm. impression. And well, and alongside that have, uh, have some knowledge if you have those games that you're planning on bringing out be ready to teach them you know oh yeah of course um and even if you decided that this is going to be especially if it's an early game night uh the long game and you're like i've sent everyone a video so they've watched it assume that most of them haven't <laughs> yeah someone's gonna be like oh yeah i forgot to watch the how to play here's a real tip up front too whoever you're inviting like make sure there are people who actually want to play board games with you. <laughs> be really clear. We're playing board games We're it's going to be fun uh, or, or it's going to be a silly party game night. Like just make it known up front what the vibe is going to be. Cause the last thing you want is the people who come and if they aren't into learning rules, then they're not going to have a good time depending on what kind of games you're playing. So uh, have, have, have that in mind. There's, there's a lot of tips you could give for that, but I think those are some good starter ones. Uh, the next question, which I think is good, it kind of ties back into one of your Kickstarter picks this week. Do you think our hobby could be more environmentally conscious? The extra Ziploc bags, bad plastic inserts that you end up taking out, and yes, even the unnecessary minis and all these Kickstarter games seem excessive and kind of wasteful. My answer to this is no, I think we're doing just fine. Uh, no, there's obviously a lot of Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of waste. I guess is there any um, do you, are there specific areas maybe we think that could be improved? Uh, we've I, I think we've started seeing more companies here and there talking about environmentally friendly components, but that's pretty rare still. That's like I could think of like I could count on one hand the number of those I can actually think of. Uh, are, what is there, is there a concrete way we could make board games more sustainable or is this hobby just ultimately dooming our planet like everything else? (laughs) There's your question. Easy question. Softball. Uh, I'm going to have to lean more towards right now dooming us. Um, mostly because there are things that we can do to get better. Maybe replace standees instead of the miniatures that take up less space and all that. But I feel the bigger choices that first of all, there's only so much you can do on your own, you know, like um, we shouldn't put all the onus on us. Pretty much none of it, honestly. 
<laughs> but like I think there's also we're going to have to accept maybe like these luxury hobbies because this is what it is uh might need to be a much more of a luxury like maybe in order to save it things like this aren't going to be something that you expect that you need a much higher price and i don't mean to be mean and i don't want people to be priced out of games but like to get those higher not higher end um more eco-friendly components for example, like uh, the Kickstarter, for, not the one I just mentioned this ep episode, but Earthborn Rangers, Earthborn Rangers, you know, it's much more expensive. True, but they're also an independent company as opposed to, you know, someone like Asmodee might be able to make these kinds of sweeping changes for less. Maybe, but I don't know how much because if you have to think about like shipping it across countries. Well, right like, now, yeah, you know. <laughs> but it's still I think it's often an issue of scale. If one company starts making sustainable things, uh, it's hard because not that many companies do it. If every company does it, then these factories have those things in place and they start doing more and more of it and it becomes more normalized. It gets cheaper and cheaper because they have those things on hand. Uh, so I, I, do, I do think that, you know, there's something to be said for continuing to look into just better quality components that aren't as damaging to, to make. Um, but I don't have any real big answers. My, my things for, I guess my add on for just players, one thing would be like an obvious thing is, you know, trading games in or um, like trading them with other players for, if you want a new game in your collection, you know, don't re recycle games in a sense of other people are now playing them. <laughs> don't ever throw, just throw games in the trash if you can help it. Um, and, um, I feel like I had something else, but whatever it was, it wasn't going to solve anything. So <laughs> it's probably okay that I forgot it. That's it. Uh, we, we have now going down the darkest timeline. John, if Jonathan remember what he's going to say, that was going to solve the crisis. That was going to fix everything. Uh, I don't forgot. think so. I guess I was going to say, I don't know. There might be a future where we're moving towards more digital solutions for some of these things. And I know people will not want to hear that, but there may be more things like we've talked about with like these uh, big boards that are like the Vorpal board or Simon's tabula or whatever that thing was called. <laughs> Maybe, but even then, you know, that like, because the cost to run servers then, and also the, if you have a, your own digital table, the, the the mining of the materials and stuff. I I mean I don't I haven't done this research, but I imagine if you have a if you had one, let's just say hypothetically, this is just one possible thing you, that might be a part of this. You have one electronic board for every game you play. I gotta imagine that's a little better than a hundred cardboard boards sitting in your on your shelf. <laughs> and I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a there's a way to make it. I think it's an avenue to explore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, well, I think it's also an avenue to explore just because I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that too. But yeah, I, I think something like that, more things like that, even something stuff like VR and AR, as that becomes more common, might be a path towards helping out with this kind of a thing. 
but anyway, there's obviously a lot of possibilities there that we're not knowledgeable enough to explore in depth. Uh, maybe you, you listening have an idea about it. Maybe you're some kind of an ecological expert. You can let us know. Or if you have any kind of comment or question about board games at all, we will hear it and read it on the show, just like we did with Earth Fat for this one. You can send it in to us via email. The address is meeplegallery at gmail.com. And that Indeed. is the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you are a Patreon, you can then join us a little bit later in the week for the audio expansion where we talk about non-board game stuff. That is true. And also more board game stuff. That is true as well. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do both uh, on the audio expansion. If you sign up for our Patreon, that's at patreon.com slash roll for crit. Uh, just a few bucks a month will get you a lot of fun goodies, plus access to our Discord server. You can also find more of our videos, live streams, merch, our social media presence, all the good stuff that we do in one convenient place at rollforcrit.com. And if you like the show, but you're not sure about being a patron just yet, you can help us out just by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. That's a whole barrel of fun. And that really makes us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> uh, but otherwise... That's it for Roll for Crit this week. Uh, thank you to uh, both of our guests, which were the two of us. And thank you to everyone for listening. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit. 